Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. And this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Um, we're glad that you're here to listen. But we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Lake Ridge. Uh, I am uh, very excited to be talking to you this morning on this Easter morning, but I also uh, have some real mixed emotions uh, around this morning, around what it means to celebrate Easter and to be, to be apart uh, from each other. Uh, typically on Easter morning at Lake Ridge, we have a, a, a big brunch potluck. And one of my favorite traditions about that is that when people come in, is that I get to go out and I get to to proclaim Christ is risen. And people respond with, he is risen indeed. And, and I like to ratchet it up a few times actually so that it gets louder and louder because I think sometimes that's what we need. We need to ratchet it up every once in a while and be reminded that we have a risen Lord, a risen Christ. And so for me, I, I have some mixed emotions. I'm, I'm missing you. And I wish that we could be together to, to celebrate this day. This past year has been wild. There's been lockdowns. Um, there's been really exciting new things that have been happening, but there's also been um, some, some uncertainty and, and some challenges that have come with that. And, and for me, I think I've, I've played out the full gamut of emotions from, from uh, excitement about the newness of kind of what we've been able to learn in this time to, to sadness about what it is that we've lost and there has certainly been an uncertainty about what our future looks like. And, and, and so that's been a bit of a challenge uh, for me. In some ways this morning, I kind of want to put all of that to rest. And, and I want to just like ignore that the pandemic has happened and just celebrate the, the resurrection of Christ. And yet to do that, would in some way diminish what Jesus did when, when he rose from the dead and, and, and how he interacted with his people during, to be honest, their very uncertain times. We are supposed to actually experience the resurrection in, in uncertainty and in some of the challenges that come with the situations of our, of our current lives. And so, with that, I hold intention. How do we keep intention with the sadness, maybe even the grief that we've experienced this year and the things that we've lost, but also live into the resurrection, this hope that, that God knows what he's doing. And that's a little bit what I wanna, what I wanna talk about uh, this morning. For me, the Lenten journey, um, and, and seriously, the last few months have, have really been about trying to get in touch with what my emotions are telling me about who God is and about how God speaks to me. And, and what it has done for me is, is it's woken up again the fact that, that these stories that we read in the Bible were lived by real people. They were experienced by, by real people who had real emotions and real things kind of going on in their life and story. 
for these people, Jesus wasn't just this teacher and rabbi and messiah. He was also their friend. He was their, their confidant, their, their loved one. And, and, and so, so they were living into the current moment of their circumstances of their life. They had walked to Jerusalem with Jesus just days before. They had watched him heal. They had watched him teach. They had lost, watched him do all of these incredible things. They, they had, had, had been a part of feeding people. And they had been fed by Jesus and eaten with Jesus. They had also watched him be arrested. They had watched him be beaten. They had watched him be crucified. And even though they had received a lot of hints that he was going to be raised from the dead, they didn't get it. And so this part of the story for them was, was very confusing and, and created a great deal of uncertainty in them. I think one of the gifts that we have today is that when we read these stories, when we read the scriptures, that we read them having a hindsight. And the hindsight being that we know that, that the story ends this way, that, that Jesus was risen from the dead. But, but they didn't, right? We have, we have a pretty good idea of where it goes. Even this morning when you pressed play to join us for this service, you probably had a pretty good idea that one of the pastors was going to get on here and talk about how Christ rose from the dead. Now, there isn't anything necessarily wrong with that, except I think when we do that, we are tempted uh, to finish the story without actually living out the nuances that are a part of it and in the middle of it. I think we, we do ourselves a disservice in that way. A couple of weeks ago, I was telling my small group that, that when we read the Gospels, that we really are reading the faith journey, the faith story of, of the author. So, so in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John write their Gospels that, that, that actually you're essentially reading somebody else's testimony, somebody else's story of how they came to believe what they did and how they experienced it. They came to faith in these stories. That's what happened. The, the, there was a very realness about who Jesus was that was written on these pages. And, and it was placed there for us to enjoy, to experience, to learn, and maybe even to implement in our own lives and our own stories. So this morning we look at the Gospel of Mark. And, and it's a unique one. Um, it, it, it's actually kind of one of the strangest ones for me. And, and, and not strange in that what Mark keeps in, but really in what Mark leaves out. And ultimately in where Mark chooses to end his gospel. The original um, manuscripts of, of the book of Mark uh, end actually in, in chapter 16, verse 8. And, and even in my own Bible, and some Bibles don't even have the remaining 11 verses, but even in my own Bible, they're written in, in, in italics. There's almost this sense that Mark wrote this story, and he stopped where he wanted to stop. And either, either he or someone else felt that, that there needed to be more written, that, that actually the story needed to be more completed for the sake of the listener. And so we're going to look at actually where Mark stops and talk a little bit about why maybe he chose to stop, to stop where he did. Now, before I do that, uh, I want you to consider something. 
Have you considered recently that the sun rises and sets pretty much every day? It's like, it's a, it's a phenomenon that's happening. It rises and sets every day. Now, that may not seem like rocket science to you, okay? But uh, here's some crazy things. This little ball that we're living on, and it's little. I, I think that's something that we don't think about very often. But this little ball that we call planet Earth is actually quite small. Uh, it is spinning at about a thousand miles an hour. You thought about that? It is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And since last Easter, it's, it's traveled about 584 million miles, give or take. Since last Easter, we've traveled that far. Not only that, but it has traveled in almost a, the exact pattern it did the year before. And it traveled around a giant star that is about a million times the size of the planet Earth. Lord willing, uh, in the next uh, year, we will travel another 584 million miles. But it's become so familiar to us that most of us no longer pause to, to watch a sunset or, or choose to wake up early to... To, to see the sun rise. We, we don't do it because it's become so normal, but it doesn't change the fact that it is an awesome phenomenon that's taking place, right? It doesn't change how amazing it is and how everything fits together and how everything works. I think for, for Christians, we come to Easter and, and I think to be honest with you, we have become so familiar with the sun rising and setting that we don't, we don't pause to pay attention to what really was taking place in that particular story. And so it's kind of my intention to do that a little bit here in the next few minutes, to take us to, to maybe a place that, that we don't often consider on an Easter morning. And honestly, it's going to get a bit weird. So, uh, but to do that, I want to share firstly the, the text. And, um, and I want you to listen for some of the strangeties I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it one. So there you go, Lakeridge. Coming up with new words here every day. So I'm going to read it for you. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to read from, this is from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. And it goes like this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the very first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting at the right side, on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed, he said. You see, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where he has laid, where they laid him. But go now and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of them into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Get this, trembling and bewildered, 
the women went out and fled the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And then Mark stops there. So I, I find this really interesting. And one of the things that I, I want to point out here is to remind us actually that, that these, these women were, were mourning the loss of Jesus. They, they, they were actually in a, in a state of grief. This was one of the most difficult things that was happening and probably ever happened in their life and their story. They were experiencing this in real time. Right? Now, I, I, I've been doing some reading on, on mourning and on grief and on some of those things. And, and one of the things that I've been learning is that grief kind of carves out or creates a vacancy in our lives and in our hearts. At, and at least at the most intense moments of our grief, we, we can come to a place where we feel like it's never going to be filled again. It's just always going to be an emptiness. I also uh, came across this really great quote, and I want to share it. It says, it says that grief is love looking for a home. That our grief is love looking for a home. And in a way, these, these ladies, these women... We're, we're coming to the tomb with their love and they were looking for a place for it to rest, for a place for it to be. Now, my youngest sister, artist, um, is a, she works at a funeral home. And uh, I thought it might be kind of fun this morning uh, to ask her a couple of questions about what it means to, to grieve and, and why we would do funerals. And, and what it means to prepare a body, which is what the women were doing that day. And so um, I just want to share that video with you. So here are my questions for you. Like, okay. as a person who, who helps plan, do all these, like, all the funeral things, what, what do you think are some, like, what is a funeral for? I don't know if there's a certain one thing that's the most important part about having a funeral or a celebration or funeral mass, but I think it's to support the living and to remember the decedent and the loved one and just to start the healing process and the grieving process because with no service and with no celebration or even a moment of pausing then you kind of deny that it's happened and what that does is it just prolongs the process because it's going to come at some point mm. so grieving is going to hit you no matter what if you've lost someone or something that you care about you're going to grieve that and the funeral and a viewing of your loved one those kinds of um traditions I guess are the beginning steps of that hmm. so you can't deny what's happened and you can't push it away it's it's right there in front of you so there's a lot of layers to the importance of a, a funeral service some of the bravest moments I see in people and in it's when they walk into the room to view their loved ones or to be with their loved ones it's it's not easy but it's it's brave 
it's very brave <laughs> and it's it's humbling sometimes to be in the presence of somebody that's doing that when people are when you're grieving everything is heightened every emotion every mistake every word somebody says and that's always a fear yeah that yeah. i'll say something stupid which i'm sure i have but it's it's easy to be hard on yourself. I have to continue yeah. to go back to doing the best I can. And <laughs> yeah. Well, and this, this is what's so interesting, you know, even saying just how important it, the weight of doing everything perfectly in these moments is really, really important. And then, so then we jump right back into this biblical story and nothing about <laughs> what was happening was perfect, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, they weren't even able to send him off. Well, you know, now here his body is missing. It right? would have what been scary extremely, thing. extremely upsetting to the women and to all of Jesus friends and people that knew him because there's definitely cultures where what happens to the decedent's physical body is really important. And the the timing of how things happen whether it's um, burial before sunset, whether it's uh, shrouding or using different types of water or oils. Uh, there's prayers that are said over a person's body. There's a lot of different cultures that the physical body, it's really important what happens to that vessel. Even if yeah. they believe that the spirit's gone the vessel, it's important they're treated with dignity and respect and just following the steps that are laid out is important it would have been very important as well as for the women they were bringing spices i know that there was a male that shrouded jesus body but the spices would have been important for how his body was being treated and not um it's sacred but also the desecration of the human body is really not a good thing and spices mm -hmm. were important to keep you smelling good it was a lot about smell <laughs> with yeah. what they were doing like some of the other traditional things and the the steps they would have done would have already been done but the upkeep to make sure that he is still presentable would have been important so yeah it would have it's the whole process is circumvented it didn't get to finish yeah yeah he's not even there yeah so anyways, I, I do wonder about that. And, and I do think that it's like, how could you possibly have the presence of mind to go, oh, God must be doing something miraculous, right? Like in the midst of all of that, it's like, how could no. you possibly be thinking, yeah, God's at work doing yeah. some beautiful thing, you, you yes. know? I would say that's a pretty rare thought of anybody that's just lost a loved one, especially in such a traumatic way. It, yeah. And so in a way, what I want us to hear is that, that culturally for these women, culturally for them, it, it was so important that, that Jesus's body was preserved, right? That, that for Mary Magdalene and, and for Mary, the, the mother of James, and, and for Salome, right? That, that they would have felt like they hadn't properly grieved the loss of Jesus until they had completed that task. 
And so, and so to show up at the tomb that day and to see that the, the stone had been rolled away and to have this interaction with this, this young man dressed in white, you know, to, to have a missing body, right? According to, to Mark, that this actually didn't create a sense of celebration or jubilation for them or, or a sense of relief. In fact, John's, John's gospel ends, right, with this verse 8 where it says, Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They were afraid. Okay, so, uh, so far this Easter message is, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10. I probably have hit a 2 in terms of your expectations of what, what you're hoping um, we would talk about on Resurrection Sunday. But I want us to feel and understand what was really happening in the midst of these people's lives. That actually there was a great sense of confusion, of trembling, of bewildering. So, so, but, but, but let's now go on, on to the next kind of step of what it means to experience the resurrection or to talk about the resurrection. The first thing I want you to hear is, regardless of how they felt about their current reality, regardless of what they felt about their current reality, None of that changed the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. That Jesus was living out his resurrection plan, his resurrection story. Right? That, that, that they were trembling and they were bewildered. And maybe your last year has felt like there's been a lot of trembling and bewilderment. I know, I know for me, that has been the story uh, for me several times. But it hasn't changed the fact that Jesus was living out his resurrection vision, his story. Right? That Jesus was and still is actually doing his thing, whether they or we are ready to receive it or not. Right? I've been learning uh, a bunch, and, and one of the things I've been learning is that you can have two feelings at the same time. And they can almost even feel like they oppose each other. Right? That, that, that actually we can be both scared or fearful and also have a deep feeling and a deep sense that we're going to be okay and that we're safe. We, we, can, we can balance those things out together. That we can both be bewildered about what is happening and also confident that God is doing and working out his grand story. In many ways, I wish that the Gospels, all of the Gospels were a little bit longer and gave us actually like a second Easter story. Like, like a story of these people sharing again what they experienced, you know, after traveling the 484 million miles around the sun. You know, what, what stories do you suppose they might have been telling, you know, 365 days later about this particular event. See, friends, we have this resilient God. Right? We have this God who, who, through His Son, is like demonstrating to us the great power that He has. This, this great power that He shows us in His willingness to go to the cross. And in this period of time where He is resurrected and demonstrates that extreme power 
in, in choosing to not stay dead, in choosing to not stay dead. The, the, the love that Jesus demonstrates when he endures the cross is that same powerful love that brings us through pandemics and struggle and bewilderment and trembling and fear, right? The more powerful our fears are, the more grand we get to experience the power of God and the resurrection story. See, I think that God ends, sorry, I think that Mark ends his gospel at verse 8. And I think that he does it very intentionally. I think that he does it because he wants to leave it in a raw spot in the story of these people. I think that he does it because he actually wants his readers to ask the question. And he wants them and us to ask these questions in the middle of the raw, trembling and bewildered part of the story. Not the story that comes with hindsight, but the story that comes in the real life challenges that are going on. I think he pauses here because he wants you and I to fill out the story, to finish this message, to ask the big questions that need to be asked. Do you believe, right? Do we believe he was resurrected even when we're trembling and experiencing bewilderment? If we do, if we choose to believe, then there are implications to that belief. Right? Time and time again, um, you and I are going to be forced to ask these kinds of questions again and again. Yeah, we should, we should seek out all the evidence we can, but at some point, we're actually going to have to choose to have faith. We're actually going to have to choose to believe. Right? These, these women at some point in their story, had to choose to believe that Jesus had been resurrected. Right? Faith in Christ is not a feeling. Faith in Christ is a choice. It is a choice to believe that God is in some way doing his business. He is doing what he does. Freeing people, healing people, comforting people again and again demonstrating that he is deeply, deeply in love with you and, and, and with I. Easter is meant to get us to ask these questions, to remind us to cling to the hope that Jesus knows more than we do, that Jesus has the power to overcome more than we can, and that ultimately he sees you. He sees me. He looks straight into our eyes and he tells us we are the beloved child of God. And all of the things that are going on in us, the fear, the trembling, the bewilderment, all of those things are meant to be turned into hope. And that's what we celebrate when we celebrate the resurrected Christ. Right? That is what the resurrected king is trying to resurrect in us. So I'm going to pray, and I want to pray that 
that you might experience the resurrected King that comes to you in the midst of your fear and trembling and your bewilderment as much as he comes to you in your confident assurance. So let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your resurrected Son. Thank you that this display of your love was played out in front of, of these people, that they took the time to share these stories with us so that we might be able to understand more fully all of the places where you have come again and again to us to remind us that you are, you are deeply in love with us. God, may we reciprocate that love back to you as we choose to have faith in you, as we choose to trust in you and the story that you lived out in front of us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace this Easter. Amen. And thanks for joining us.